and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton Studio today. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Today on the show, we're going to be talking a little about soil organic matter. I don't care what crop you raise, this is really, really an important topic. So we're going to discuss that throughout the show. If you've got any questions for us, you can certainly give us a call, 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You can also send us an email, radio at agphd.com, or find us on Twitter, agphdmedia, Darren Hefty, or Brian Hefty. All right, so i got a couple of stories to start you out with today. First of all, separate from the organic matter, I'll come back to that in just a minute, but on the organic matter side, um, we, we, we are going to talk about that throughout the show today. But here, here is my first story. So over the last few days, I've been going through some of the last of my dad, our dad's stuff. He passed away back in 2019, but he had file cabinets from way back when, and even just looking at what farm income would have been, expenses and everything else. And it, I, I will just say a couple of things. First of all, it's given me a very great appreciation for the struggles that people had to go through in the 80s because I look at farm income and you go, ooh, that's not good. We're lucky to be here today. And just the amount of work that that some people had to do to get through that and also timing is a big thing. So I was talking to my wife about this yesterday just a little bit and she's like, well, how, how did some farmers make it and others didn't and everything? I said, well, certainly management came into it, but Here's another big thing. It's just timing and and just the the luck. So, for example, I, I just was telling her, you know, if you're a farmer here in the last 15 years and these are the only 15 years you've ever farmed, and let's say you're raising corn and soybeans, you probably don't realize that prior to 15 years ago, and especially prior to 17 years ago, there was almost no way to lock in a profit before you started in the spring. Because my wife goes, well, why would you even put the crop in when you don't know if you're going to make any money? And I go, exactly. But we had to do that for so many years. We're just hoping for the best that maybe yields are going to turn out a little better. Maybe the price is going to turn out a little better. And, oh, man, it was such a struggle. Whereas, like, this year's a good example. I mean, before the season ever starts, if you had crop insurance, you can pretty much lock yourself into a profit. And it takes a lot of that worry away. So when you go back and you think about people really struggling to make it through the 80s, if you have almost nothing and you put the crop in and you're just hoping and praying that maybe I can make a few dollars to get ahead, but you have no idea. Just imagine the worry going all through that season. So anyway, I, I, I not that I didn't know those things before, but when you go back again and see the actual numbers every year going back, it's like, whew. It was really, really tough times. So anyway, all I'm saying here is if let's say you're a young farmer, I I encourage you understand a little bit about what's happened in history because history often repeats itself. And so you want to get prepared for some of those bad times if they come up. Two, have a great appreciation, please, and respect for your parents and your grandparents that had to go through some of the tough times. So both my grandpas were born, uh, let's see, the one was in 1909 and the other 1912. So guess what? When they were farming, young farmers in their 20s, they had to live through the Depression era. Our dad had to live through the 1980s and the, the farm crisis at that point. So, you know, both of my prior generations had 
massive struggles and and just terrible misfortune to be living in that time. Whereas, like I say, in the last 15 years, I mean, other than, yes, there have been some bad times, but for the most part, we've had some really good times, some of the best times ever in agriculture. Hopefully that continues, but you never know what's going to happen. Okay, then let's go to this organic matter thing. What I was going to bring up here is we get questions fairly often about hard, either hard soils or poorly drained soils. So we talk about tillage, we talk about tile and all these things. Well, you know what? Soil organic matter is tremendously important to soften your soil, to keep it loose, to have better drainage out there. So we'll talk throughout the show today about all the different things that organic matter can do in your soil, how you can build soil organic matter moving forward, and one other thing I will get you thinking about to start the show today. Everybody's talking about carbon, okay? And just think about it this way. Whether you believe in this whole carbon dioxide thing or not and global warming and all that doesn't matter. The fact of the matter is people want to pay us as farmers to build our organic matter levels in the soil. And the reason why is because that, in effect, is sequestering carbon. It's tying up carbon. It's pushing that carbon into the ground and storing it there. And so if we build soil organic matter, that's tremendously helpful for lowering overall carbon dioxide levels because carbon dioxide is breathed in by plants. And then if we build the organic matter, it's, in effect, stored down in our soil. So it's great for the soil. And on the flip side, people will pay you to do it now. So this is a really important thing. So I think it's tremendously important for all farmers to understand what does it take to build soil organic matter? Because long term, if, if, if these carbon programs continue, you're going to get paid well for that. Okay, we've got just a little bit of time before our first break, but let's get to the Ag PhD mailbag. It's the mailbag! This is from Dennis up in uh, northern Idaho, northeastern Washington. He said, we've got some new seedlings of Timothy and orchard grass. we got some pigweed coming in, and obviously you can spray broadleaves in a grass crop pretty easy. My question is, when is a new seeding safe to spray? Or should we just mow it now when, when the weeds, or mow it when the weeds get bigger? Well, that's a good question, Dennis. Uh, I know we, we talk about this a lot in lawns and those types of things, too, that, that there is a time where uh, you should probably just leave it alone and not spray just yet, not put too much stress on things. If you've got good grass, you're getting plenty of moisture, you got good, healthy grass, usually by the time it's a pop can high, uh, we're in pretty good shape for spraying. Uh, if you see that you've got some tillering going on, um, you've got multiple spots there for that plant to recover and uh, that'd be my opinion if it's pop can high. See it any different, Brian? No, Brian's agreeing with me. Hey, this is a good show. It's starting off well. Brian's already agreeing with me. I love it. Hey, Dennis, thanks for the question. We really appreciate that. We'll be right back after this break talking about organic matter. Stay tuned. This is Stormy Fields with your weather forecast. Today calls for a high of 68 degrees with sunny skies and not a cloud in sight. Planting windows can close fast, so when you need both speed and accuracy, choose John Deere. Our exact emerge planters and precision ag technologies give you precise seed placement for uniform emergence and the efficiency you need to gain ground. See what you have to gain at johndeere.com slash gain ground. 
If we only had 20 words to talk about AgBiome, we would say we are agricultural innovators, focused on unlocking the power of the microbial world to deliver unique, effective crop protection solutions. If we only had five words, we'd say learn more at agbiome.com. With superior materials, craftsmanship, and best-in-class warranty, a Morton machine storage or workshop is built to stand the test of time. To learn how we can help you expand your farm operation, visit mortonbuildings.com. Corn rootworms are called the billion-dollar bug for a reason. If you don't control the adult populations now, their offspring will cost you later. Labeled for field corn and seed corn, Steward EC Insecticide from FMC offers a unique mode of action that delivers fast and long-lasting residual control of corn rootworm beetles and other tough insects. That proven chemistry makes it an excellent fit in integrated pest management and insect resistance management programs. And with less effect on beneficials than many traditional chemistries, Steward EC Insecticide reduces your risk of creating other pest issues like flaring spider mites. Choose Steward EC Insecticide from FMC. Visit your FMC retailer or ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow label directions and precautions for use. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Man, this show is starting off great. Brand's already agreeing with me on stuff. And I'll tell you another thing that Brand and I agree on. The importance of soil organic matter and building that over time in most soils. We'll talk about some of the benefits of uh, improving your percentage of organic matter in your soil. We'll also talk about how to build it on your farm. And we've got some great guests for you today, too, starting off with Paul Borges out in California. Uh, Paul, talking organic matter here, and Brian and I are agreeing. This is, this is amazing. We might have to have more topics like this. Yeah, I got to go buy a lottery ticket. Everything's there. <laughs> All right. So how big is this organic matter discussion? Because I know a lot of people that we talk to in agriculture, they say, well, I can't just change that overnight in a large way. So let's talk more about uh, nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium, that I can put some on, feed a crop right now. But I think it is important for the long-term health of your farm and your soils to think about organic matter and the impact we're making. Oh, yeah. yes, it is. We. Same thing that our guys talk about here. Uh, we've done over over the past, like in orchards, for example, we got really sandy ground. We'll do cover crops to help uh, hold and try to build some carbon in there. Uh, we're using compost on orchards and open ground for uh, guys who are growing just one crop a year because the way the water situation is right now. And that's I've seen a lot of benefit from using either have a cover crop or compost holding some moisture for us for the season, especially early on. Sure, sure. You know, you think about that comp cover crop discussion, there are just so many different options. And uh, I know sometimes we talk to folks that just want, uh, well, just give me the, the quick and easy. There's just got to be one silver bullet here. There really isn't, you know, depending on your rotation and where you're at and so forth. What, what kind of cover crop practices do you see the, the farmers you're working with using? We're seeing them use a lot of, uh, some guys are going with mustard seed. Um, other guys are going with uh, like beans, some kind of fava beans or something to help hold some nitrogen. Uh, 
everybody's trying different things in the orchards and even the guys are foul on the ground. They'll put some, some cheap seed out there just to grow something to hold over the winter. Uh, we've tried different ways. Uh, sandy ground is always the hardest one, but sometimes people forget the heavy ground can be just as hard as the sandy is because higher CEC. And we've tried these things on there and some places you start to see some results and other ones we don't, but then you fall back to where, where's the soil on a soil test and you can see the reasons why it might be a little slower and then you build up on those things and then you can start seeing the organic matter slowly coming back but if you're turning ground in the middle of the heat like some guys do over here we burn it up let me ask you about the compost since you mentioned that earlier are there any watch outs there i know there are a lot of positives we've done some some use of compost on our farm as well but are there any things you've said oh man we ran into this problem and didn't expect it yeah, some guys, you know, we'll run, some of the guys around here will run anywhere between four to five tons per acre of compost. Then we look back to where they're buying it from. Is it from the turkeys, the layers, or the fryers? And then you got dairy manure and you got green waste. And you have to look at each one separate. The green waste is usually very low on nutrients, where the dairy and the, and the poultry is higher. We have to watch the salts. And then depending on how many pounds you're putting out there every year, it stretches out, out farther. So if you put it like, for example, two tons, you should get a ton within 12 months. And that other ton is going to come up over the next two years. So you have to watch your levels of phosphates, potassium, because you could push those way high and be in a different situation. Sure, sure. Yeah, every source of compost is is different. Whatever that parent material was, certainly going to vary in salt and nutrient content. Uh, Paul, any last comments you've got on organic matter? You knew we were talking organic matter on today's show. Is there anything you want to leave us with? Uh, we'll keep trying our best to build it up. And there's, like I said, there's multiple ways of doing it. And different parts of the country, it's all different. But uh, I think as farmers, one thing we do is we always get better, we learn, and keep moving forward. You bet. Great words of encouragement there. Paul Borges out in California. Paul, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. All right. You guys have a good one. You bet. You too. Let's head down to Arkansas. i got Dr. Trent Roberts on with us right now at the University of Arkansas. Trent, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? You know, we are doing well, too, and Brian and I have, have the benefit of, of having been farmers our whole lives, and now in our 50s, we're seeing some of the things that we did right, like working on building up organic matter in some of our low organic matter soils. Boy, it's really helping us, especially like right now when we get really dry. How about in the state of Arkansas? You guys have a little longer season. You get a little hotter weather. Uh, is it tougher to build organic matter there? You know, it's it's a lot tougher, and I don't think people realize just how hard it is. Um, one of the keys to building organic matter is obviously residue additions, um, either through cover crops or, you know, crop residue return or compost or manures. But you have to understand that organic matter is the fuel that feeds the microbes. And if the microbes never take a break, they just keep, you know, consuming that organic matter, and it makes it really hard to build. So in Arkansas, where our soils very rarely freeze, that means those microbes are just eating year-round. 
Yeah, I know. I, there's a lot of positives about things not freezing, but <laughs> this this is one of the negatives, I guess. That all right, you got weeds that are going to be coming a lot longer in the season. Uh, you got, like you say, you got microbes that need to be fed all the way through, and that leads me to the next question. You know, we look at some of the double crop rotations, but there's some guys that aren't doing that, and and some guys that uh, even getting one crop in is is about all they can get done some years. What are you thinking that we need to do? Are there some practices that need to change or, or just we need to be more diligent about having something growing out there all the time? Well, I definitely think there's benefits to having the soil covered, you know, all year. Uh, we've talked about that as the soil health, you know, renaissance that's kind of going on right now. But whether you're growing a cover crop or, like you mentioned, a double crop type situation, uh, anything you can do to keep, you know, living roots in the soil is going to be beneficial, but also, you know, anything you can do to add biomass and residue to that system is, is going to be such a big benefit. The, the trouble that we get into in Arkansas is, especially in the South, is we still rely very heavily on tillage. And people don't quite understand that anything you add with a cover crop or, or in terms of organic matter and residue, if you're still tilling the soil, you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot. And really to get the benefits, they've got to go hand in hand. You've got to reduce your tillage or go to no-till and use those high biomass, you know, cover crops or residues to really, really move the needle in the south. Now, one thing that I will say uh, for a lot of our, our farmers that we talk to in the south, they, they do talk a lot about using poultry litter, um, different manure sources, these types of things, and uh, and even compost. I think that's something that's growing, especially in, in some areas of the country more than others. But when we start looking at, at adding those things in, those are good. But like you mentioned, uh, a lot of times, well, we may be doing some of those right things, but uh, the tillage may offset some of that. Do you, do you think that we can... Uh, get to a system where we can still utilize all the uh, poultry litter and those types of things without having to do quite as heavy a tillage? Oh, yeah. And I think, you know, when you when you look at liquid manures in particular, like swine and dairy and how producers in the Midwest are able to, like, subsurface inject them, I really see the future of, you know, dry solid manures going to some type of a subsurface injection system um, to where we can minimize the disturbance, but still get those manures down below the soil surface. And, you know, there's some previous work out there. USDA has done some things. You know, our group is working on some projects now. where basically, we're thinking of a no-till drill, but instead of planting seeds, we're subsurface injecting manures like poultry litter, like solid beef feedlot manure. Yeah, there's a lot of work being done out there in one place where uh, we see a lot of good research coming from is the University of Arkansas. I've got Dr. Trent Roberts on with us right now. Uh, Trent, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on today, and good luck here the rest of the summer. Yeah, I always enjoy it. As, as long as we can stay out of the heat, we'll have it made. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, uh, I could use a, a few colder days up here, too. We're getting the heat in South Dakota right now, and it's one of the reasons we're talking about organic matter and what you can do to preserve and improve it on your farm. Stay tuned. In a world of Veltima fungicide. Hey, let's do it less dramatic. Just say Veltima fungicide. Okay, Veltima fungicide. 
No, that's literally the same. Veltima fungicide. Still doing it. Veltima fungicide does it. Seriously, we just need you to say Veltima fungicide. Swift, simple, and secure. Didn't I? Veltima fungicide from BASF in cornfields this summer. Always read and follow label directions. 360 Yield Saver pays back fast. Hi, Greg Souter from 360 Yield Center. For a 12-row corn head, harvesting 2,000 acres of corn, you'd spend $7,200 on the Yield Savers. Those replacement gathering chains cut header loss by 80%. With today's corn prices, the grain you save will pay for the investment of 360 Yield Saver in less than 600 acres. This crop is too valuable to leave bushels in the field due to header loss. Put that extra grain back in your tank with 360 Yield Saver. Be sure to attend the 2022 Ag PhD Field Day. I'm Darren Hefty. The Ag PhD Field Day isn't until the last Thursday in July, but we invite you to mark your calendars today for our biggest event ever. Each summer on the last Thursday in July, we invite you to attend the Ag PhD Field Day. The reason we invite farmers from across the country and around the world to our farm each summer is to say thank you. Ag PhD TV has had a brand new episode each week for 24 years, and we've been doing a radio show almost as long as well. At this year's Ag PhD Field Day, we'll have way more equipment and equipment demonstrations than we've ever had before. We've got a lot of new technologies we'll put into our research plots on site, and we'll have great family entertainment, including a kid's area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and free food and drinks all throughout the day. Please go to agphd.com to learn more, and don't forget to join us on Thursday, July 28th for the free Ag PhD Field Day. When it comes to mites in your field, you can't afford a solution that might work. That's why there's ZealPro Miticide from Valent USA. With next level knockdown and long residual control, you can be sure to handle spider mites at all stages of life with complete certainty. With efficient translaminar activity, apply by ground or air, and confidently attack mites where they are. Make ZealPro the definitive answer to your mite problem. Visit valent.com slash zealpro to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. At Corteva AgriScience, we want to keep farms healthy and productive, today and tomorrow. That's why we're investing in a robust pipeline of naturally derived biologicals. Meet Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer. It's a sustainable nitrogen fixation product that facilitates crop growth and optimizes yield potential. With the fluctuation in fertilizer prices, Utricia N is a reliable solution. It can be used alongside your traditional nitrogen program to enhance your ROI this year. For more information, visit Corteva.us. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. And uh, we're talking about organic matter on the show. But we're also taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD or by email, radio at agphd.com. All right. When it comes to soil organic matter, I mentioned earlier in the show, we were going to talk about the best ways to build it. Number one, you got to reduce tillage. And I know it almost seems counterintuitive because you think, hey, I've got residue above ground. That's organic matter, right? No, that's organic material. And when you till that into the soil, you're injecting more air into the soil and you're going to burn up the soil, the current soil organic matter faster than before. 
So by doing tillage, you actually will decrease soil organic matter over time if you do a lot of tillage. So that's why we say reduce your tillage. Now, you don't necessarily have to go no-till, but you need to reduce tillage, try to keep it to a minimum if you want to build soil organic matter. So that's always going to be number one on our list. Number two on our list is pretty much always we would like to see crops with lots of roots so or roots as most people will say uh, so that's for example corn has five times the root mass of soybeans so corn would be a better choice than soybeans not that you can't build soil organic matter with soybeans you can but you do it a lot faster with corn the third thing is manure or compost the fourth thing is cover crops and then number five you could use some biologicals as well so we'll probably talk about that a little bit more later in the show all right let's head north of the border here got tom we on with us right now who's an agronomist up in eastern saskatchewan tom how are you doing today doing good we're talking about organic matter on on the show what is the organic matter percentage like in many of the soils in your area well we've got quite right around here quite a rolling topography so we would uh, see two to three percent in the tops of the uh, knolls and six to eight percent in the in the bottom land all right so you got quite quite a different situation there where some of that you would say for sure you want to build what about in that six to eight percent do you just want to maintain there or what's the goal yeah i mean you know uh, using sort of the variable rate of nitrogen scenario yeah we'd be backing off uh, the nitrogen applications in those areas because we get a lot mineralized from the organic matter but uh, you know i don't think we really look at a strategy uh it's it's basically leave those soils where they are and and they'll they'll uh, uh take care of themselves let's see it's the knolls uh, the lower organic matter where we're trying to uh um improve it and I guess, uh, you know, about two-thirds or 70, maybe even 80% of the of the land around here is seeded uh, no-till directly in. And so that's helped a lot uh, over the last 25 years, say, to we're starting to see the, those lands pick up organic matter from what they were when guys started to uh, no-till. Yeah, you brought up a great point there, and I know uh... – uh, Brian was talking about our, our grandparents uh, earlier in the show here, and I know my gran- one of my grandpas had made a comment to me, man, I wish that I had the ability to do the things you guys can do today in agriculture way back in the day. But you know what? Hey, they did the best they had with what they had, and, and you're right. With precision ag and uh, advancements we've had with machinery, we've got a lot of opportunities here. So if we continue to do things the way we've always done, they're not going to get better. We need to look at making some changes. But, Tom, that's really hard for guys to do, to make big changes. Well, it is, but, uh, you know, I, I uh, consulted during the uh, 90s when, when there was quite a, uh, a turn, a change here in, in the western prairies from, uh, from you know, the, the conventional tillage to, to no-till. And, and as I said, we're, we're lucky here. We've got it up over two-thirds of the, of the land is now no-tilled or minimum-tilled at, at the most. So... And, and there was some interesting studies done. One that I remember done uh, by uh, Agriculture Canada uh, near Indian Head, where they had a piece of land that the, the grower uh, had been um, direct seeding, no-tilling for a number of years, 
12 years or 15 years, and he bought an adjacent piece that had been uh, fallowed every second year. And then they had a little bit of native land that they broke up and put plots in. And they did extensive research on those soils. And, and they found that in the 15 years or so uh, that the grower had, had practiced no-till, he recovered about half the organic matter level that he had uh, that they'd lost over the hundred years that that soil had been uh, farmed. So, so it can be done. Uh, it's not, it's not easy, but uh, you know, going to some of the practices you identified, but I think zero till is the, is the number one thing. Um, it, it can be recovered. Yeah, that is very encouraging. And, you know, I was just thinking about that as you're telling that story about we, we've got farm ground that we've farmed for a long time. We've also got farm ground that we haven't farmed as long. And, and the farmers that were on that ground had different practices. And it does allow us to see, okay, if you do it this way, uh, here's here's the track you're on. And if you do uh, do it this other way, um, you could certainly improve things over time. We're talking with Tom Weir up in Saskatchewan. Tom, great stuff today. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much for being on. The other thing that I'd just like to add is we've seen it, uh, you know, land that uh, has been no-tilled for a number of years when we get these periodic droughts. Those droughts uh, are are uh, not completely eliminated, but they're certainly buffered by having that extra organic matter from, from no-tilling. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. And we, we talk about that, too, with our farm, just with the, the increase in organic matter that each uh, 1% of organic matter can hold 4% more water. And that's that's just at a, a an estimation. But you look at how the soils do perform, you start talking about increases of 2%, 3%, 4% of organic matter. Uh, you're right. It doesn't take away the drought. You still need rain, but it sure gives you a lot more buffer. You bet. Well, thanks, Tom. We really appreciate it. Great. Uh, got another guest uh, up in Saskatchewan. I'm not sure if we've had this before. We got two in a row here. We got Kellen Huber, who's a soil fertility consultant with Keltec Ag. Kellen, you can probably echo a lot of things Tom was saying there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, that organic matter sure needs to be going up here in the area. And I've been. Uh, trying to get that uh, through microbiology and just different plant rotations to get the uh, organic matter coming up. You know, you mentioned that. Here's things that don't cost any money. Crop rotation. What what are some of the things that you're shooting for? I know Tom had kind of hinted at, let's find some things with some massive root systems on them. Is that what you're looking at too? Well, boy, I'd sure love to chase those big massive root pro- programs, something like sunflowers and corn and you know, get that kind of going up here because it would do so much more beneficial to our high magnesium soils. One, it'll take up the magnesium. Two, it create that uh, beautiful root ball. You know, we're working on about a 50-day corn hybrid for you, Kellen. If we get that, we could take that all the way up to northern Saskatchewan, maybe. All right, buddy. I'm in. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just teasing a little bit, but uh, you're right. You know, you think about the components that are in that soil, and soil testing is going to be a critical part of this. And we were talking about variable rating nitrogen, but uh, of course, when you've got high mag soils, uh, you might be, might be thinking a lot of more, more about calcium and some of the other nutrients in the soil. Yes, calcium, gypsum, sulfur, you know, all big components of keeping good soil structure together and 
Gaining porosity in the soil, and that's some of the things that we're struggling with up here, is high compaction soils. So we've tried a lot of cover crops. We've tried longer taproot type crops. So we're working on a lot of strategic things. But sometimes I've been finding i got to use that T word, and we just got to crack things open and get that porosity back and then just keep reinforcing that porosity in the soil. Yeah, compaction is sure a challenge, and I, and I hear what you're saying. Sometimes it feels like tillage is is definitely a necessity, but like you say, if you uh, try and make all the best decisions you possibly can in between times where where you're forced to to get out there and break things up, uh, you can make a big difference. Talking with Kellen Huber up in Saskatchewan with Keltec Ag. Kellen, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on today. Uh, we're talking organic matter in soils, and certainly every area is a little bit different, and, and it's pretty interesting talking about uh, heavy soils up in Saskatchewan, high mag soils. We'll talk about some other situations as well. Stay tuned. When I step on someone's farm, I feel like I've already walked a mile in their shoes. I spend spring on the tractor and fall on the combine. I see the excitement in my kids' eyes on our farm but worry if there's enough of it for all of them. I make sure everything Case IH makes meets the challenges farmers face, because I face them too. My name is Ryan, I am a farmer, and I work at Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Be sure to attend the 2022 Ag PhD Field Day. I'm Darren Hefty. The Ag PhD Field Day isn't until the last Thursday in July, but we invite you to mark your calendars today for our biggest event ever. Each summer on the last Thursday in July, we invite you to attend the Ag PhD Field Day. The reason we invite farmers from across the country and around the world to our farm each summer is to say thank you. Ag PhD TV has had a brand new episode each week for 24 years, and we've been doing a radio show almost as long as well. At this year's Ag PhD Field Day, we'll have way more equipment and equipment demonstrations than we've ever had before. We've got a lot of new technologies we'll put into our research plots on site, and we'll have great family entertainment, including a kid's area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and free food and drinks all throughout the day. Please go to agphd.com to learn more, and don't forget to join us on Thursday, July 28th for the free Ag PhD Field Day. You can count on AgroLiquid for precision crop nutrition. When you don't get all your potash down in the fall, when weather or market prices change your management strategy, or when you want to balance your fertilizer program with micronutrients. AgroLiquid is ready with the products and application flexibility you want for in-season crop nutrition and the research-proven results you need. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. When it comes to mites in your field, you can't afford a solution that might work. That's why there's Zeopro Miticide from Valent USA. With next-level knockdown and long residual control, you can be sure to handle spider mites at all stages of life with complete certainty. 
with efficient translaminar activity, apply by ground or air, and confidently attack mites where they are. Make ZealPro the definitive answer to your mite problem. Visit valent.com slash zealpro to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. And you can always email us, radio at agphd.com. If you have an agronomic question or want to update us on what's going on on your farm. We're talking organic matter here. This is something Brian and I have been working to build on our farm our whole careers. And we've got some variable ground. I know a lot of times we speak lovingly of how much variability <laughs> there is on our farm because, hey, we could do some trial work on some really sandy soils. And we've also got some really well, heavy, wait, wait, uh, wait. high organic matter, high mag uh, soils, kind of like the, what uh, the guys up in Saskatchewan yeah, were The lightest about. soil we've ever farmed is like a 9 CEC. And we've gotten rid of all of that. I think now the lowest spot, what, I'm trying to think. There are some 12, spots. 14. Uh, no, no, it's lighter than that. Mm, it's lighter I'll, than that. I'll, but I'll, I'll say this. I'll say this uh, to your defense. I know there is a piece of ground that we were renting that you now own that the dad uh, and the previous landowner had said, you know, there's some real light sandy spots out there that uh, you, you just aren't going to do very well in. And when we did more soil testing, we found out they weren't quite as light as those guys thought. Uh, they they were low in nutrients, though, and we were able to, to fix some things up. But I, I would say this variable rate technology, doing soil samples on a smaller grid to, to try to take out some of those spots and figure out what's really going on has been has been super helpful for us. And I know Tom Weir had mentioned variable rate nitrogen has been a big deal for guys up in Saskatchewan where you're, they're putting on too much in certain areas. We found that to be the case, too, that there are some areas that are yielding more, some areas that aren't yielding as much and dialing in the, the right blend of fertility is not only good for the pocketbook, but it's good long-term for the soil. Yeah, I was going to, I, I should have that data. I, well, I know I have the data. It's just to be able to pull it up that quick. So That's I, okay. I'm gonna, That's okay. You can no, dive into that. And, no, and it, I know, I know like Kellen Huber had made a comment about compaction and in some soils, man, it just gets hard and then you've got to do something about it. And, and I certainly know long-term, there's a lot of good things you can do with crop rotation, reducing tillage, uh, cover crops, uh, doing all these all right. things right and, and getting the nutrient balance in the soil, right. With the right calcium magnesium balance, that can be a big deal too, but man, <laughs> you still have to raise a crop this year. And sometimes you just got to do what you got to do to, to, to get by this year too. Okay. So I've got all the soil test data from our farm, and I have it in spreadsheet form, so which is really nice because then I can sort stuff out. So Darren was was talking about this one piece of ground. We did get rid of all the really light stuff over there, Darren. The lightest spot, one acre, 10.5 CEC on that field. On one field of yours, the lightest is a 10.8. And uh, just so you know, the field I'm talking about, Earl's Southwest, you know that sandy spot yes. used to be oh, called yeah. Earl's exactly, Pasture. Exactly. We combined that with the other, and now it's all about. Earl's Southwest. Yep. 7.1 on one acre, 9.6, and a 9.8. So those three spots, that's it that's below so 10. So we've got a 7. Out of 3,500 3, acres that we farm, <laughs> we got three no, acres. I know, and, and some people, depending <laughs> on where you're at, you would say, well, good, goodness, a 7, that's the heavy ground for right. us. So it, it's all relative, depending on where you're at. Uh, but for us, so that's significantly lighter soil than elsewhere. Now, in that I 7 and that 9, what is the organic matter level? Uh, hang on. That would be the other thing to look okay. at just to um, see. Yep, the organic matter in those spots, 
0.8 on the 7, 1.2 on the 9.6, and 2 on the 9.8. So really low. We got to do, yeah. And, and we have, in some cases, done reduced till there. We've done no till. We've definitely done strip till. But see, lately we've been doing a little more tillage because of some of the manure and compost that's gone on. So we, 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 we got to keep working on that. I was just going to tell you the highest spot on the whole farm, by the way, just so you know, uh, Nelson's West. So this is literally one mile away. So one mile apart. And we go from a 7.1 is the very lightest stuff we have to a 40.1, the highest stuff. And there the organic matter is 4.6. So that's within a mile. <laughs> so when Darren's talking about the variability, there you go. Uh, so why is soil organic matter important? It improves soil structure and tilth. It reduces compaction and increases oxygen levels in soil. It helps hold soil in place and reduces erosion potential. Organic matter helps filter contaminants as water moves through the soil. It improves microbial activity in soil life. It allows soils to warm more quickly in the spring. And here are, a, here are my three favorite points about soil organic matter. First of all, organic matter can hold approximately three times as many nutrients as clay. That's a big deal if you want your nutrients to stay rather than leach. Number two, organic matter can hold, well, along with that, I just say when we're talking about it can hold nutrients, this includes the leachable nutrients even. It can hold the leachables and the anions way better than clay can. Okay, so point number two, for every 1% of soil organic matter, that soil can hold about 4% more water. So if we increase our soil organic matter another 1%, that means we can hold another 4% more water. So if over the life of lifetime, over your lifetime, if you increase your soil organic matter, let's say three points, and I know that's aggressive, but let's say you did, that's 12% more water holding capacity your soil would have. That can be a really big deal in a dry year. And here's point number three, and my favorite one about soil organic matter, and this is the one most people don't either know or they don't recognize it or they certainly don't use it in their fertility recommendations, which they should. For every 1% of organic matter, you're going to get some free nitrogen, phosphate, and sulfur out of that soil every single year. Now, how much you're going to get is going to vary depending on heat primarily, but also how much soil microbial life you have and, and everything else going on in your soil. So like on our farm, for example, I'm not saying this would be your case, but on our farm, we figure 20 to 30 pounds of nitrogen for each 1% of soil organic matter. We figure 4 to 7 pounds of phosphate for each 1% of organic matter and sulfur 2 to 3 pounds. So for example, if we had 5% nitrogen, 5% organic matter, that's 100 to 150 pounds of free nitrogen we're going to get out of that ground every year. It's amazing. So nitrogen, phosphate, sulfur, you got to figure, hey, we're going to get some of that every year out of our soil's organic matter. So anyway, those are my favorite points about soil organic matter. It's tremendously important. And yes, there probably is a top end limit to it. I don't think I'd want my soil organic matter beyond 7% and even 5%, 5, 6%, that's, that should be more than enough. But if I'm down at a one or a two, we got to keep working on that, and that should help us long term. Yeah, there 
there is a lot of variability and it's just fun figuring out how to how to do well in each of these soils you just get so many years to do it so you got to pay attention along the way measure things and it, it certainly allows you to manage them a little bit all right let's get back to some questions you got over there darren all right, uh, I get this one. A fungicide question came in from Grant, and he said, guys, I'd appreciate your input on late-season fungicide application, timing, and method. For the past 10 years, we've applied a fungicide at tassel time with an airplane, and we've seen good results both in yield and, more importantly, lack of mycotoxins in our silage and high-moisture shell corn. Yep. Uh, my question is, would we get a better response using a ground rig earlier in the season, theoretically getting better coverage with 15 or 20 gallons of water versus the three gallons the airplane uses? The ground application at Tassel isn't a viable option for us since our right. silage varieties are typically over 11 feet tall yep. and we just don't want to cause crop damage. Yep, we're in the same exact boat as he is. I would just say... I wouldn't cut that tassel application if that's paying. Keep in mind, the fungicide's typically only going to help you for three weeks. So if you did an early treatment, would that be helping you at tassel? No, or at least not much. So if you're already getting that good response, we don't want to go away from that. Now, if you want to add a treatment, what I'd suggest is treat early on some acres. So in other words, it's I realize it's going to be more money. It's going to be a second application, everything else. But you're going to do it yourself with your ground rig on the early treatment. Just do some. And then maybe it's split fields, uh, side-by-side strips, whatever. Just do something and then compare that. So that's what I would suggest for do you, you. Do you like Zyway better or do you like the V5 to V7 timing better? I mean, to me, I think I'd try both of those options. Well, here's just the thing. See. Okay, last year we had a drought and we still gained nine bushels with the Zyway. Did I think we were going to gain nine? No. Did it look any different? No. But that's... A lot of times what we're dealing with now, when you're talking 240 bushel corn, you can't see a 10 bushel difference. There's no way you're going to be able to see that ever. So sometimes that's where we just have to say, I got to take it to yield and I got to run my own comparisons. Because if you would have told me in a drought year, I'm going to gain nine bushels of Zyway, I'd have said you're nuts. Have we been gaining that much with a, let's call it V5 to V7 fungicide spray? No, we have not. So at this point, I'd have to vote Zyway. All right, we'll get back to taking more of your calls and questions right after this. What's new from New Farm? Longbow EC Herbicide, the latest in our portfolio of versatile weed management tools, gives you another Carfentrazone option, taking aim at more than 60 broadleaf weed species. And did we mention economical? Longbow EC's low use rate makes it a flexible tank mix partner with most burned down non-selective herbicides. Ask your dealer for Longbow EC, available for fall. Stop wasting time and money with obsolete adjuvants and foliar fertilizers. High yielding crops require high performing multifunctional products like the Fulltech Adjuvant Cube and Impulse from Spraytech. Contact your local retailer or visit Spraytech.com for more information. Get an extra semi-load out of your grain bin. The end zone from Farm Shop MFG can increase your stored beans moisture from 10 to 13%. On a 20,000 bushel bin, that's a free extra semi-load. Visit farmshopmfg.com for more. Be sure to attend the 2022 Ag PhD Field Day. I'm Darren Hefty. The Ag PhD Field Day isn't until the last Thursday in July, but we invite you to mark your calendars today for our biggest event ever. Each summer on the last Thursday in July, we invite you to attend the Ag PhD Field Day. The reason we invite farmers from across the country and around the world to our farm each summer is to say thank you. 
AgPHD TV has had a brand new episode each week for 24 years, and we've been doing a radio show almost as long as well. At this year's AgPHD Field Day, we'll have way more equipment and equipment demonstrations than we've ever had before. We've got a lot of new technologies we'll put into our research plots on site, and we'll have great family entertainment, including a kid's area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and free food and drinks all throughout the day. Please go to agphd.com to learn more, and don't forget to join us on Thursday, July 28th for the free AgPHD Field Day. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. Downtime during spraying can lead to huge yield losses. Keep rolling with the Pentair Hypro Force Field. This pump features a unique self-regulated chamber that allows the pump to run dry while eliminating cracked seals, so you can spray longer and more reliably. Learn more at pentair.com hypro. It takes balance to be successful in farming, because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutricia and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Brian Hefty along with my brother Darren. We're broadcasting today from the Morton studio. Just taking your calls and questions now in our Ag PhD mailbag time. We got Buzz calling in from out in Ohio. Hey, Buzz, how are you today? Hey, good afternoon, Brian Hefty. Brian and Darren, how are you guys? We're doing great. Doing good. So hey, I, hear... I had some questions on some yeah, go ahead. wet ground that I have. Okay, wet ground. I'm in the hills of southeast Ohio. Okay. Um, light soil, CEC, 8 to 10 in general. Okay. Um, the, the majority of my acreage, it's it's kind of shaped like a fishbowl. High around the perimeter, yep. low in the center. Got it. Um, extremely wet in Ohio this year, like the past several years. Yep. Um, lots of crop not germinating due to the moisture. Um my thought was, would there be any benefit to deep ripping this ground in the spring, trying to, you know, get some of this water to infiltrate down into the soil? I know tile would be the, the ticket here, but it's not ground that I own. I'm not oh. sure how long the current owner will have it, so gotcha. I'm not sure that's really on the table. Okay. So I would just say this. First of all, when you start talking deep tillage, sometimes it can make the ground so soft that you have trouble getting it farmed in the spring. So deep tillage to try to do it in the spring usually isn't going to work. It's too wet. you got to do it in the fall. But either way, if you do it in the fall or in the spring, now you, you don't have you're kind of taking out your base is what, how a lot of people will phrase this. And so now all of a sudden it may be softer. It may be harder to get through. Um, so theoretically, deep tillage, yes, it can help your drainage. And what we do a lot of times, if we're going to do something like you just described, is rather than go with a C shank with a wide sweep or anything, we're running 30-inch centers, narrow 
points and straight shanks. So we're basically creating a slot for the water to go down and the roots to go down, but we've left our base in most of that. So that would be our suggestion on the deep tillage. Moving forward, we'd just encourage you, just like we do everybody, number one, take a look at your soil tests. If your calcium levels are low, if they're less than 60% or even 65%, I'd look at, hey, can I get gypsum out there? Or if my pH is low, should I put lime out there? Raise your calcium levels. That usually will help your drainage because you have better soil porosity. And then our topic today is organic matter. So if over time organic matter gets built, that helps porosity as well. So those are the things I'd look at. Now, in terms of this, hey, I, I don't know if I'm going to have the ground long term, whatever, I'm renting it. I'd still go have the conversation with the landlord. It usually doesn't hurt to do that. I've done that with all our landlords. Now, granted, now we've been able to buy just about all that ground that the landlord maybe spent the money on or we spent the money on years ago. So we have very few landlords left. But anyway, we've worked with literally every single one of our landlords to work something out so tile could get in that ground because it's so valuable for us. And I assume it'd be the same for you. Even though your soil is light, if in those low spots you've got issues, that's where the tile needs to go. So like for us on our farm, we have rolling hills. We have a little bit of lighter ground. So it's not like we're pattern tiling everything. We're not spending an absolute fortune. So we're kind of lucky in that regard, but we put the tile where it needs to go. And my gosh, it just, it's transformed our farm. It's made farming super fun. So anyway, uh, does that answer your question, Buzz? Or do you have anything else to follow up there? No, that, that, that pretty much covers it. Um, yeah, I, I was, the tool you were mentioning, that's what I was thinking of using. Sure. Um, I just tend to get so much compaction in the spring yeah. after multiple trips, you know, spreading fertilizer. I was, I was going to make that my last pass yep. before I planted sure. and before I sprayed. So sure. hopefully trying to open it up. But as you said, in the spring, it's, I mean, we're just fighting moisture all the time. So yeah. I'm not even sure I could get it done. But um, trying to do something different because on the wet years, what I'm doing is not working. Okay. Let me throw out one other thing that's a little different from what you've mentioned, or at least I think it is. So we've had similar situations, and we'll go out one time just one trip and it's all done in the fall. So lighter ground, we don't want to do crazy amounts of tillage because number one, it destroys our organic matter. And two, it does exactly what you said, creates some more compaction. So on those acres, we've turned those into strip till. So we just make one strip till pass, put all our fertilizer on then in the fall. And granted, I mean, we gotta, you gotta do it right because you're going to set your rows for where you're going to plant on the next spring. But if we compare what we've tilled in the fall versus strip till, um, we can actually get on the strip till fields first almost every single year. So it's just something for you to at least think about. You know, if you wanted to try some, I, I mean, I, I'd encourage you maybe try some, but that's worked out pretty well for us on, on ground that at least to me sounds similar that we might have that you have. Sounds interesting. I'm, I'm very <laughs> small time, so strip tillage equipment isn't an option. And I hear you say that often and it sounds real appetizing, but um, just, just not in the works for me. 
Yeah, I got you. It's just sometimes you never know if, let's say, a neighbor has a machine or whatever. I I can just tell you, I started our show today by talking about I've been going through a lot of my dad's old papers from years ago. He passed away about three years ago, and we finally have everything pretty much done with his estate and going through all his stuff and everything else. But anyway, when he was a young farmer, I will just tell you he shared a lot of equipment with neighbors. He did a lot of custom work for neighbors, so they do a little work for him and you just do more swapping and things and so i'm 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 just throwing it out there as another thing for you to think about that if someday something pops up where a neighbor's right next to you doing a little strip to you say hey would would you want to try just a few acres of mine and let's let's just see and and then maybe it works maybe it doesn't but at least it's it's just another thing that would be a little different to try that's worked for us i hear you all right hey thanks for the call buzz Oh, yeah, go ahead. Wanted to say, great to talk to you guys. I've listened to you and followed your shows and radio show for probably the last 20 years. Wow. Nice to finally talk with you. Thanks for all you do for agriculture. You bet. Thanks a lot for calling today, Buzz. Really appreciate it. All right, got a question that came in from Tim here, and he said, guys, a quick question for you. I've got corn that's starting to tassel. Yep. And we normally fly on this recipe, fungicide plus a gallon of coron, plus insecticide. And we've been really dry. We continue to be so, uh, unfortunately. Tim's from Nebraska. Nebraska. And our forecast is 100-degree temps for the next 14 days. Would you still make the application? Okay. Would you save the money? All right. So, Tim, I will just tell you I'm in the exact same boat you are, only we're usually 5 degrees cooler or something. But they were talking 100-degree temps for this coming weekend. Well, now that's already changed. Because here's the thing you need to know with these long-term forecasts. They're garbage. So my wife's uncle's a trainer for National Weather Service. And I, I can just tell a long story short, I'll just tell you anything past seven days, complete 50-50, even at seven days, even the National Weather Service with the best equipment and the best people in the world, even in, at seven days, it's a 50-50 shot. They really don't know even seven days out. They know pretty well three days out. Seven days, 50-50, anything beyond that's a complete guess. A monkey could tell you just as well as I could. So anyway, don't believe the 14-day-out forecast. But we know it's Nebraska. We know it's going to be hot, okay? So I understand the question. If you have irrigation, there's no question I would treat. If you don't, yes, it's going to be a question mark. And I was just talking to uh, Rob Fritz, agronomist who's occasionally on this show with us, about this very thing this morning on our farm. We are starting to spray, uh, probably not tomorrow, but the very next day. And we had been dry for two weeks. Our corn was rolled up. But last week, we got about six inches of rain. And so now I go, whoa, we got potential here. I'm worried disease is going to come in. I'm worried about tar spot. You know what? Let's just let's do it. And we're going to do the same thing you are in terms of fungicide and insecticide. We're going to do a little bit of foliar fertilizer. It's not going to be nitrogen because I think we're good on nitrogen. We're going to get a little zinc out there. But other than that, um, I will say one thing that may help you too is consider an adjuvant. And maybe you're going to do that, but we we put two things in. We're using an adjuvant that's NPE and APE-free because some of our stuff will be tasseled, some won't. And if it's pre-tasseled, it's got to be APE and NPE-free. 
But anyway, the other side of it is um, a lot of the high yield guys we talk to, they throw in a little fulvic acid and that seems to help the fungicide perform a little better. So the other thing I would suggest is maybe leave a couple parts of fields. So now you have a comparison so you can say, all right, moving forward, I see this did pay or didn't pay. But the thing that when Rob and I were talking this morning, we go, you know what? The corn price is really good. It's like, I got a lot of dollars at stake out there. I'm, I'm willing to take that chance. So it's a borderline thing. I don't know for sure, but I know the crop price is pretty good. Thanks for the question. We appreciate that. And thanks to you for listening today. And be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.